Hi, my name is Satvik Trinivas, and this is Arnav Rostogi, and together we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, we'll be previewing the AFC and NFC North divisions for the 2021 NFL season. Let's get right into it. Yeah, let's start with the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, we raved about them in the off-seasons episode. And, I mean, there's a lot to like with the direction that they're going in, you know, spending on defense um, and just sort of balancing the team, whereas we know we're, we know what we're getting with the offense. And now we're sort of starting to figure out what we're going to get from a defense led by Miles Garrett. That is excellent in its own right. And I think the Browns, they're really trending in the right direction here. You know, my thing is now you have expectations. And, you know, historically the Browns haven't been great with expectations. But, you know, now that we're seeing sort of a changing of the guard, you know, the Steelers aren't this mainstay, you know, they're going to win the AFC North. Now it's more like, you know, the Browns have a chance here. So what do you think about the Browns handling these big expectations that are being placed on them? Honestly, there's not much precedent for this. You know, this it, this is like they're they're a top dog now in this division. And honestly, I would say they're the most complete roster in this division. Maybe in the AFC or even in the league, they're really everywhere you look. They have top guys in this league. I think they really have an identity. They're going to run the ball. They have playmakers. Baker Mayfield is their guy. He has to take that step into that elite quarterback group this year. Defensively, you know, they have to be reliable. They weren't always 100% last year, some injuries and stuff like that. But we've always seen all these championship teams, you know, there's a great defense that leads them. The Buccaneers are a terrific example of that. So on paper, this is an amazing football team, but they just have to take that step now and we got to see it on the field. Yeah, I really like that Buccaneers comparison that you gave right there, because I, I, I sort of like the one group that I really look at when I look at the Buccaneers, like their weak spot was their cornerback group, right? That was their weak spot going into the entire year, going into every game, right? They were extremely inconsistent, a lot of injuries. And when did they put it together? They put it together at the right time in the playoffs, and they were an elite group in their respect, right? And I look at the Browns cornerback group right now, and I'm like, you got to perform, right? Because you got Denzel Ward, a former first-round pick, right? You got Greedy Williams, who was one of the top cornerbacks at LSU, right? And he was a second-round pick, right? Now you got Greg Newsom, who was this year's first-round pick, right? And you got Troy Hill, who got paid this offseason coming over from the Rams, right? So now you got all these, you know, amazing cornerbacks, right? And now you're really expecting this group to be consistent because that was the lacking point last year, right? You had receivers who were running all over the Browns. And if you don't believe me, go back to the Ravens game, that Monday night game where the Ravens came back after whatever Lamar did in the locker room and won the game, right? So, you know, defense is really going to be the sticking point for the Browns here. And I'm just, I'm just looking to see some balanced football this year because we know what we're getting out of that offense. Yeah, and you talked about that secondary, you know. I think one of the biggest things for any secondary, any defense, you know, it starts with the defensive line. If the defensive line is not getting after the quarterback, that makes it harder on the secondary to do their job. You know, I think back to the Eagles, our Super Bowl year, we had that just loads of loads of pass rushers on that defensive line. And we had good corners. I'm not, I'm not discounting them in any way, you know, Ronald Darby, Jalen Mills, those guys in there. But we saw what happened in like later seasons with the Eagles after some injuries on the defensive line, guys weren't really showing up, but that secondary kind of struggled. And 
we've been kind of known for having a terrible secondary for like the last two years. And I think it just starts with getting that defensive line going and looking at where the Browns invested their picks, their money, you know, getting a guy like Jadavion Clowney, you already have Miles Garrett. They've added um, Malik Jackson, I believe. So I think they're putting their money, their value in the right place. And I think they're going to get returns on that this year. Right. And I can, once again, can't wait to see everything come together for the Browns. You know, this is a team, this is, this is your quintessential worst to first team, right? You want to see them win. You want to see them succeed. And so, you know, when we talk about this changing of the guard in the AFC North, you know, we, we look at the Ravens now and we say, you know, this might be their year, right? Because the Steelers are no longer dominant. The Browns, you know, once again, great team, but we don't know how they're going to handle those expectations, right? But with the Ravens, you know, we're getting an MVP quarterback who got another weapon in Rashad Bateman. And, you know, you know, you're pairing him with Sammy Watkins, Hollywood Brown. That offense is looking pretty lethal. No, it is. Uh, on paper, it looks really good. But something's been off with the Ravens. You know, these last two, three years have always been a really good team. But in the playoffs, they haven't showed it. They haven't been able to get to that AFC championship. You know, the Chiefs have been a big obstacle for this Ravens team, not being able to overcome that Chiefs game annually. And I just think there's a part of this where, Lamar is an incredibly talented football player, a runner of the football, and he has potential as a thrower of the football. But I think there's still that step he has to take. And what are we in year four, year five now with Lamar? Maybe this could be his year. You know, we saw this with Josh Allen last year. After you get a marquee receiver like Stefan Diggs, what that can do for a quarterback. And, you know, we love Rashad Bateman. We talked about him so much during the draft process. He's literally a jump ball machine. He just drop back, throw it downfield. He's going to go get it for you. And having that kind of guy is going to do wonders for Lamar. And hopefully that's going to allow him to really mature as a passer and become not only one of the most lethal players in the NFL with his feet, but with his arm. Yeah. I mean, the Ravens are putting him in the best position to develop that passing game, right? You look, you know, Rashad Bateman is a guy who we really liked going into the draft process, right? Uh, You know, as a Big Ten fan, I've watched almost every single one of his games at Minnesota. And, you know, this is the perfect guy you can put in the Z and pair with Mark Hollywood Brown. Right. You can just take the top off the defense and Sammy Watkins, who can play in the slot. So this is like this is the quintessential receiver for Lamar Jackson to sort of take this next step as a passer, because we know what Greg Roman can do with Lamar Jackson and this, you know, ground and pound game that they have going on. But now it's like. How do you incorporate that with the passing game? And so I want to see that. I really want to see how they balance those two on offense. And, you know, we're, we're going to get to see it early in the year, right? They have their first big test, right? You talk about this annual KC game, it's week two, right? So their first big test early in the year. Let's see if they can finally get over that hurdle. Because if they beat Kansas City early in the year, I think that sort of gives us some confidence that, you know, come playoff time, they sort of know what the game plan is going into like a divisional game or a championship game, right? Maybe even Super Bowl. But, you know, once again, this might, the Ravens, you know, track history, right? We talked about the Browns. They don't do well at expectations. Talk about the Ravens. They don't perform when it matters. They don't perform in the playoffs, right? This could be their year. This could be their year, or this could be another flop. Let's see what happens. Yeah, another team in this AFC North, the Steelers, who set the bar really high after 11-0 start, but did not meet the expectations as well. 
And I, I think really begs the question this year, are the Steelers still a contender? And, you know, we kind of talked about this before. I think it's pretty clear, you know, there's going to be a step back with this team, but there's still pieces on this roster, like terrific pieces on the defense, even on the offense. They still have receivers that can play. They got to establish that running game, Najee Harris. I don't know, man. It feels like they're going to take a step back, but at the same time, if you just forget Big Ben for a second at the quarterback position, just look at this roster as a whole. There's still a lot to work with here. There is, but is it better than what the Browns have to offer? Is it better than the, what the Ravens have to offer? And I don't know. You know, I wouldn't be shocked sitting in week 17, week 18, and seeing the Steelers third place in this division. I would not be shocked, really. Because when you look at what they lost on the offensive line, lost Marquise Pouncey, Villanueva, those, these are veteran guys. How do, you, how do you replace that? How do you replace that level of time? You know, Bud Dupree, premier third down pass rusher that you paired with TJ Watt, right? Now he's going to be getting, TJ is going to be getting double team. How productive will TJ be, right? How replaceable is Bud? You look at the losses that they've had. Big Ben has seen an obvious regression over the past few years, right? I don't know, man. Like if we're really talking a sticking point for this team, it's Najee Harris, right? That's that their new brand new running backs. That's their new shiny product that they're going to use, right? We saw Chase Claypool in that Hall of Fame game, even though he got injured. He looks like a number one, number two receiver that you can pair with Juju, right? They're all great. But, you know, for me, you look at the losses that they have and, you know, you compare it to what they added. It's kind of disproportional for me. Yeah, no, I agree, but I think we're going to have to see. I think even that 11-0 start, it was kind of inflated. You could make the argument they were beating a lot of Cupcakes teams, but we'll just have to see what they bring to the table this year. But I think it's clear that the Steelers are no longer the favorite in this division. Yeah, there's, there is a changing of the guard here. We're seeing this division is much more wide open than we have anticipated, right? You have the Browns who can make a run for it. You can have the Ravens who can make a run for it. Heck, you know what? The, the Steelers might make the playoff. You can have this division send three teams to the playoff. That is entirely possible because that's just how good this division is. But then again, it goes back to that one key word that we've been saying all day, expectations. Can these teams meet it? You know, speaking of another team that has some expectations, the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, all those pieces you draft on offense. And I'm not saying expectations as in going in, making the playoffs, but we've got to see some fireworks on offense this year, for sure. Right. That's what we want to see. We want to see a dynamic, cohesive offense. And Zach Taylor, you know, this is honestly the make or break year. I put him on the hot seat this year because he needs to make things work, right? Joe Burrow now has his favorite college target in Jamar Chase. He has Joe Mixon. He's coming off an injury and he looks healthier than ever. Right. So we need to see something out of this offense. Right. Once again, you know, like you said, playoffs aren't really something that we expect out of this Bengals given that defense, right. The other side of the ball, it looks atrocious. There's no way of putting it. It, it, There's no, there's no better way of putting it. It looks atrocious, but this offense, we need to see something out of it. Right. But, you know, once again, the offensive line, right. We've talked a lot about on draft day, how they passed up on Penny Sewell. How do you think that's going to factor in here? Right. I was going to bring that up. And we got to see that offensive line because one of my big things, you know, I supported the Bengals' decision to draft um, Jamar Chase. And I even, you know, I, 
I was pretty much expecting to see it because in this at modern NFL, you know, you got to have those targets. And uh, my main thing, as I keep saying, is like when you see them lighten it up, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, you're not going to regret not picking Penesul. But is that going to come out to fruition? Or is Joe Burrow going to get sacked 55 times this year and Jamar Chase is just not going to get the ball because there's no time? Look, Satvik, you know, in order to see – those fireworks, you know, the ball has to be in Jamar Chase's hands, not in Joe Burrow's hands at the bottom of a pile. So that's, that's all I'm saying. Like, you know, we, we talk about all these fireworks, right? The ball, the ball needs to be in the air for that to happen. And can the ball get into the air with that offensive line? And, you know, we talk about Calais Campbell, Tyus Bowser on the Ravens, talk Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney on the Browns, talk TJ Watt, a one-man wrecking crew. On the Steelers, I don't know, man. Those eight divisional games. I mean, those six divisional games, not looking too pretty. No, yeah, but I think a lot of that also falls now onto Zach Taylor's plate. Him as an offensive architect, how is he going to put his guys in the best position? You know, you can't, you can't have your left tackle going one on one against Jadavion Clowney, then Miles Garrett, then you got T.J. Watt next week, like. They've got to have help. You've got to get the ball out. If you're Joe Burrow, you got to keep your quarterback upright. And uh, coaching can help a lot of it. The quarterback can help a lot of it. You know, not holding on to the ball, not trying to play hero ball. And, you know, if you can get some kind of running game going, do all the stuff that needs to happen, you can, you know, keep this offense afloat, even if the offensive line is not, you know, elite by any means. But we're just going to have to see because there's some perimeter weapons. And if you can get the ball there, in a timely fashion, something could happen. Yeah. But, you know, looking overall at this AFC North, aside from the Bengals, this division's pretty wide open. And, you know, we'll see what team puts it together at that right moment at the end of the season. We'll see what team puts it together at the right moment and really claims this division. All right, let's switch gears to the NFC North. And this division, you could say, is a bit more grounded than the AFC North. I think we know who's going to win. Um, and despite all the drama that has happened with the Packers, they still look like the favorites here, Savic. No, you're right. They do look like the favorites, but I don't know. You know, I'm getting it's a lot of mixed signals from this team. Sure, you know, they're probably going to win 11 or 12 games, make the playoffs, all that good stuff. But, you know, are they running it back for their last dance? Do the Packers even kind of want him there? Do they want Jordan Love? What's going on? I don't know. There's a lot of questions here, and I'm just not comfortable with this team. You know, again, they might go out winning 11, 12 games. Winning solves a lot of problems, but something that just does not feel right with this organization. Right. You you, you mentioned the cryptic uh, IG story posts of Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, and you know this might be their last year. This might be their last year in Green Bay. And I think we, we talk so much about culture, those 11, 22 guys, those 53 guys playing together as a group, everyone is on the same page from owner to management to coach to player. But the Packers, they're on, they're on all different pages, right? You know, we look at the roster. Yeah, the roster's solid. The defense, exceptional, led by Jer Alexander, right? The offense, you know what we're going to get out of them. They got Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. They brought back Randall Cobb, right? And you have A-Rod. You know what you're going to get out of them, right? But come playoff time, 
come when it really matters is Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are all 53 guys on the same page. Do they share that same culture, that same winning culture? And I think the evident answer is no, no, there, no one is on the same page right now, right? They're all over the place. When you, you talk about this team is so drama filled every day, there's a new story, a new player that wants out someone posting this, someone posting that. So you're right. They'll win their 11, 12 games. They'll get the first seed, second seed, third seed, whatever. They'll make it to maybe the divisional round championship round. But do I think they're going to the Super Bowl? Do I think they're capable of going to the Super Bowl and winning? In all honesty, the answer is no. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree. But And I think it sort of draws similarities with what we've kind of seen with the Cowboys. A lot of, you know, drama, the whole contract saga, almost like two years, they finally got it out of the way. I don't know. I, I Again, like I said, you know, the the basic thing for any organization any organization to see any success you know quarterback head coach front office all three have to be on that same page and it does not appear to be that way in green bay yeah if there's one thing that i've learned watching football over the past decade it is that a team that has a lot of drama never wins it has never happened in the years that i've been watching football and i guarantee you it will not happen this year it's that simple right once again, when, you know, these, these are one of the team Packers, right? I don't care what they, what happens till January, but I'm starting to transition into this phase with the Packers where it's like, I don't even care what happens in January. Cause I, it's just, I don't think they're ever going to win really with the state that they're in. Yeah. You know, I want to transition here to a team in the NFC North. I'm actually feeling good about, and that's the Chicago bears. And we talked about this, you know, head coach front office and the quarterback, I think all three of those are getting on the same page here in Chicago. You know, I, I watched that first preseason game, the Bears, Dolphins, Justin Fields coming out. A little bit of a shaky start. You know, I saw him fumbling the ball, running around. But he got into his zone, and he looked comfortable. He looked like he had command of the offense. And there was a clear purpose to everything they were doing. You know, the bootlegs, running the ball, getting him moving. I think this Chicago Bears team is starting to get an identity with what Justin Fields brings to the table. And again, as I said, I think the front office quarterback and coach are all on the same page here and they have a plan. They, they know what they want to do this year. And from my, I was watching the Dolphins game and I finally in my head said, Chicago found its quarterback. Yeah. He, you know, he was shaky maybe at the start, right? But he looked comfortable. Yeah. He looked like he was in charge of that offense. He knew what he was doing and he led his team. This is like the first real quarterback that I've seen in Chicago that knows what he's doing and, you know, excellent running the ball, passing the ball, uh, pocket awareness. He checked off all the boxes that I wanted to see out of a young quarterback in his first preseason game. He knew what he was doing. He looked like he belonged as a Chicago Bears quarterback. And so now it sort of becomes how do you orient the franchise towards Justin Fields, right? You know, you know, Savik, you know this well, you know, we talked about the Eagles, right? They oriented their franchise towards Jalen Hurts. They got younger, they got rid of the veterans, right? And so now you look at the Bears, 
how do you orient the franchise towards Justin Fields, right? And I think they did a pretty good job of this, right? They retained Allen Robinson. They brought back all their offensive linemen, right? Uh, and their defense, right? We know what we're getting out of them, right? Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, right? We know that the pressure is going to be on and they have a rock solid defense. and They have a rock solid secondary, right? So now it's all up to, you know, what happens with that quarterback situation, right? Are you going to put Justin Fields in or is it going to be Andy Dalton, right? That, that's the real thing here because you know, we talked about the drama, right? This quarterback drama with the Packers. We don't want to see that here, right? If Justin Fields is your guy and you're comfortable with him, put him in, put him in. And even if though you don't make the playoffs this year, at least you have Justin Fields here who gets that, you know, experience in his first year, who gets to play and gets that, you know, get that NFL feel. Yeah, and you know, and I'm feeling that spirit of bold predictions. I always feel this sometime, you know, when we're doing our off-season episodes. And with the Bears, I don't know. Do I say it? Do I not say it? I think the Bears are going to make the playoffs, and they might even beat out the Packers for this division. I don't know. But all right, all right, all right. Now we're stretching it. We're stretching, we're stretching it. it. We're stretching right. it. Okay. But you know, you know, the Bears are just that team. Like, I mean, they made the playoffs last year, right? Yeah. They're just that team where it's like. They're, they don't look good in regular season, but come January, it's like, oh, they're in the playoffs. It's like, so they, they've they're just been that team, right? And, you know, now they actually look like a playoff team, in my opinion. If Justin Fields plays like right. he played against Miami and he gets comfortable against NFL defenses, I don't know, man, the Bears look like they got a bright future. And this might, you know, I think, I don't think divisional winner, I think that's stretching it a bit, but stretching definitely it. I could see them as a wild card team. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm in that spirit of bold predictions, but here's my main thing, right? Last year, they were a playoff team with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. And I'm sorry, Mitchell Trubisky, but he, you're not a franchise quarterback. He's, he was not a franchise quarterback. This dude, he's a franchise quarterback. That's the definition of your franchise quarterback. Just watching him throw the football, it's different. I've never seen a football come out of Mitchell Trubisky's hands like the way it does come out of Justin Fields' hands. And Justin Fields is the real deal, man. I'm telling you, he's a real hey, deal. It's been it's been one game, so let's you know, let's hold the horses here. It's been one game against Miami. This is the first preseason game with third stringers who are fighting for a role on the 53 man roster playing. So let's let's tone it down a bit. But I, I think we can we can both agree that you know the future is positive in Chicago, and Justin Fields looks to be their guy. Absolutely. No, another team in the NFC North, the Detroit Lions, we can't necessarily say the same about them because we don't know where their future is. They're not a team that has shown us that they have a clear plan of attack. No, new head coach, Jared Goff, new quarterback. And I'm not sure what the exact game plan here is in Detroit. Right. And that's why you have years like this, where it's like you throw it out, do not care what happens. If you go 0-17, so be it. But this is your year where you figure things out, right? Who do you want? Is Jared Goff your answer at quarterback? Or do you go next year and draft a guy, right? Is Dan Campbell your coach who can lead your team into the future? Does he show those key leadership abilities, even though the season is tough, even though some of the players don't you know, want to be there, right? Does he keep the team together, right? And I think when you look at Detroit, this is your year where you have to figure things out because you can't have another year like this. You need to know the direction of your franchise by the end of the season. 
And, you know, Detroit did make them smart moves in their respect, right? Obviously, moving off of Matthew Stafford, they got a young quarterback in Jared Goff, and they got two first-round picks. That's a plus, right? And they signed almost nine to ten guys, veterans, on one-year cheap deals, right? Just to see if they excel in the system. So that's, that's another smart move that Detroit is making, right? But once again, this is a scrap year. This is a year where all 53 guys, they're up for sale after the end of the season, right? You got you to gotta figure out what's going on, who's going to stay, what the future is, what the draft's going to be, what your point of attack is going to be. You have to figure it out. Yep. You know, I would say all 52 guys, I think they're going to hold on to Panay Sewell, but. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. Anyways. Hold on to Panay Sewell. Yeah. Let's look at the last team here in this division, the Minnesota Vikings. And I don't know really what to make of them. You know, they have good offensive pieces. Mike Zimmer is a guy who knows what he's doing. Last year was not their year. You know, the secondary, we stress it every time when we talk about the Vikings. But, you know, they picked up Pat Pete, you know, tried to sort of bolster that secondary, do something. Do you think it's going to be enough? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I don't know. Um, but the one thing I do know is that Pat Pete's veteran leadership and his ability to excel in the cornerback position is going to greatly help uh, the young rookies that the Vikings were starting last year. Right. And I, th- I think you talked about this so much where it was like the Vikings, they were this good team, right? They won seven games last year, but what could have pushed them higher? It was the fact that their defense wasn't very experienced. They were putting guys, especially young guys, in wrong in the you know the wrong positions especially against you know what are you going to do a rookie corner playing zone four against Devonte adams come on like like come on like that's just poor coaching decisions right there so you you know now it's like patrick peterson is supposed to be this calming presence this veteran presence and now the question becomes what is that influence going to be will the cornerbacks you know become better Will, the, that, will that secondary and that corner gap group rise as a result of Pat Pete, right? Because I sort of equated to the Saints where our secondary was horrible, but when Marshawn Lattimore was drafted, he came in, even as a rookie, he excelled, he was a leader, and he elevated that defense, right? Look at Darius Slay, even though that Eagles secondary towards the end of the season obviously had the injuries, right? But at the beginning of the year, they looked like a darn good group, right? Because Darius Slay, that veteran ability coming right in and helping those corners. So we'll see, you know, that's, We'll see. Can the Vikings have sort of a Pat Pete effect here? Yeah, you know, it's that idea. Of, I've said this a lot on the show. You know, when you get that good number one corner, that makes the second corner's life easier and the third corner's life easier. You know, you're not upgrading one position, you're upgrading all three positions. And on this topic of Darius Slay, you know, we paid him like a lockdown corner. I don't know if he's proven that yet, you know, just as an Eagles fan. But we're going to have to see, man, in this NFC North, as I said, I feel good about the Bears. Maybe I'm just overreacting after seeing Justin Fields for like one quarter of preseason football. But I think we can agree the Bears have a positive future. The Green Bay Packers, not so much. We don't know what we're going to see. Yeah, and then you have the Vikings and the Lions who are just the premier mediocrity of the NFL. That's the best I can put it. All right. With that being said, thank you for listening to the 47th episode of the Backfield Rift. 
Be sure to tune in for our next episode where we're going to preview the AFC and NFC South divisions for the 2021-2022 NFL season. Until then, it's been Arnav Rastogi and Satvik Srinivas. Stay safe and take care.